0: It's the On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: From Labradoodles to Cronuts, the world loves a hybrid. So today, businesses are taking a smarter hybrid cloud approach using the tools, platform, and expertise of IBM. The world is going hybrid with IBM. Visit ibm.com slash hybrid cloud.
2: Welcome to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. It is your host Joe Goodberry. We have no Jake Lisco today. Jake and I had uh, some scheduling conflicts this weekend. Basically, I'm on midnight's this weekend at my job, and he's uh, he's working day shift. So we we figured he'll take the previous day, Sunday night, Monday, depending on when you listen to the podcast, and I'll take Monday slash Tuesday. So uh, that's how we're splitting it up this week, and we'll be back together for. The following three days, and and that's cool. So you get a little bit of me, just Joe Goodberry in your ear today, and it'll be a le- little less uh, uh, professional, I think, because Jake's the one that, that keeps us together, keeps this duo together. He's the one that keeps us organized and does the ads mostly and um, makes the podcast sound good and, and all of that fun stuff. So uh, if you didn't check out yesterday's episode, Jake had on Evan Silva of Roto World, who is Evan's a guy I've communicated with and talked with for a long time, so I'm glad he was on. I'm, I'm sad I missed it that I that I wasn't able to be there and, and talk to him because uh, I have high level of respect for Evan. I mean, to cover all, those, all 32 teams the way he does, that's not easy. Uh, very often we can criticize national guys for um, not really knowing your team that well. You know, if you ever read anything on NFL, ESPN, any of the big sites that aren't um, – completely focused on the Bengals, let's say. They'll miss things. They'll get things wrong. I mean, I'm reading previews of the Bengals and expectations for the league. And there'll be people that don't mention Tyler Eifert. You, they don't mention Giovanni Bernard. They won't mention Carl Lawson. And, you know, I think those are just big mistakes when you're when you're a Bengals fan and you're, you're looking at this team. And there's national people that, that just forget the impact of some players that are going to make an impact. And Evan Silva does a great job covering everyone. And um, I talk to him often. He talks to me. And we we hash out ideas a lot between each other, especially when it comes to the Bengals. And uh, I've always got high respect for him, So check out that podcast if you haven't. It started because, Evan, we talked about this on last week's week's episode. Uh, Evan put out a tweet that caught some fire because he says the Bengals don't get criticized for not trying to win, or actively, it was what was it, actively deprioritizing winning. So uh, check that out. I still have to finish listening to it. I uh, don't get much time to listen to podcasts, as we've said before. But you know, I, I basically have like a six seven minute ride to work, so that's my time to listen. And I, sometimes it takes me a, a full week if if uh, especially if I'm busy at work and I don't get to listen because uh, about four miles away, so easy ride. But uh, just me today, so. I was outside cutting the grass, and it was a nice day out. And I said, you know what, the battery on the lawnmower died because I have an electric lawnmower, and why not? I have a small yard. But uh, I said that now is a good time to come in and record and just just talk to you guys, just you and I, because uh, some people had some questions that I, I that come up on Thursdays, and it's I think like long form questions. Sometimes they're directed right at me and uh, I don't know how to answer them sometimes without rambling on. And I don't like to do that when, when Jake's there because, you know, I want to make sure he gets enough airtime to, to say what he's what he's feeling or what his thoughts are. So I think the one that caught my attention was a couple of weeks ago, and I and I f- failed to remember the tweet because I couldn't find it. It went that, that far back. But it asked, what's your process for watching film? What's your process for evaluating players? And I think it was directed at me because Jake will say himself that he's not – a an evaluator or and he will you'll you'll see it when the season starts jake will definitely be into it but he looks at it differently than i do and i think everyone does i think that's the that's why the question that's where it comes from right how do you evaluate film how do you evaluate players how do you um quantify it if you do and so that's where i want to go today and talk about that and, and talk about how i i go about it and if uh If you are a subscriber to The Athletic, you have seen my work there, and I I try to give a glimpse into what I'm doing then, because uh, there are a lot of different ways to to present it, and I, I do a lot of videos to try and show my work. I think that's honestly the best way to do it. I'd love to just do videos and video reviews, but the NFL is very strict on video usage, so I still... Obviously, if you follow me on Twitter, I still put out videos constantly, and that's one of the things I've been doing lately to talk about part of my process, is uh, I am going and reviewing some film from 2018. It's it's hard to go back and do it, especially in a lost year or when the regime has changed so much, when the coaching staff's changed, and I feel like some of the players and their uses will definitely change. But I'm going back, and if you have the NFL Game Pass which gives you the All-22 subscription people ask all the time, where do you where do you get to coach the film? And it's NFL slash Game Pass or NFLGamePass.com, one of the two. Type it in. Google, it'll come up. But uh, I'm going through, and I, I'm just typing in the players' names. I, I believe I start off with Joe Mixon. And you can pick, do you want incomplete passes, complete passes? Do you want touchdowns? Do you want fumbles? What, whatever you want to pick for a play, it'll tell you all the times he was involved in those plays. So I type in Joe Mixon, big plays. And uh, this is just to review. This is how, isn't how how I would normally watch. I, I wouldn't watch highlights on a player. But the big plays uh, just refresh my memory. I think in the offseason, that's what I'm looking for. It's been, at this point, six months since I've seen some of these games. And while they're fresh in my memory at the time, they, it, it's nice to jog them. And, and so I get big plays, and Joe Mixon was, I think, second in the league for 20-plus yard runs. So those all pop up, right, And all of his touchdowns. And any fourth down conversions, those, those are considered big plays by their uh, algorithm. So I went through that, and I recorded all of his 20-plus yard runs, and I made a video of it, and I posted it, and people loved it. And uh, so I continue to do more stuff like that, reviewing other players. Since then, I've, I've gone through, and I, I believe it was Tyler Boyd, um, John Ross, Tyler Eifert, Giovanni Bernard, and Jesse Bates. And I didn't do Andy Dalton. Someone asked, Are you going to do Dalton? And I look back because I remember I had a video after about, I think it was five or six weeks. It must have been five weeks because I think Dolphins were week five. Anyways, I did a video of his five best throws, best plays from 2018 around that time. And when I started to cut up a video of, of of a review at this point today, and I looked back and I said, no, you know what, I should just retweet that video because I posted it last year, and really there was maybe one or two throws I would have added on top, but I think his five best plays still came in those first five weeks. And Jake and I have talked about it a bunch. We think at that time he was playing as good as he's ever played in the NFL, and things started to, will start to fall off as Tyler Eifert and, and others began to get hurt, Joe Mixon also in that time frame. Uh, he was out for the Panthers game, and Dalton still had a couple of really nice throws. But anyway, so I didn't remake a Dalton video, uh, and in fact, I was going through some of the comments on there, and, and some people were like, "I think some of these throws are some of the best of his career," and I would agree there's maybe like three or four of them that'd be in his top ten career throws, and that's should give you a positive uh, thought going forward about how this, you know, maybe could could. Say he, he's playing the best of his career, and, and if the offense fits him, he should have a really good year. Now, we thought that after 2015 and 2016 was not a good year, so it doesn't have to mean it's a linear progression. You could take some steps back. Anyways, um, my thought today is to talk about uh, what I'm currently evaluating what I'm currently looking at, what I plan on writing for The Athletic. If you notice, I haven't written as much lately It's because I, I got a new contract this year in February that had different requirements, different posting times. And basically, it's not. I'm not going to be as frequent over the off season and I, it'll really ramp up again once the season starts. And that's just to maximize viewership and subscribers. When I post, it usually brings in viewers and subscribers and they want that during this regular season because that's when I was getting the most outside of draft weekend obviously. But um uh, so currently what I'm writing and what I'm working on, and it's something that I'm ta- I've taken a while because I didn't post it all in, in May. But uh I am reading a book and it's it's from Taylor Colst, I think is his name. But it's called Breaking Down the Rams 2018 Offense. And it's perfect because it's exactly what we want and especially now because we have a very good idea that the Bengals are going to be running a Ram style offense in Cincinnati. And I, I think that's what we want, right? I mean, that's what, that's why you hire Zach Taylor. That's why you say he's the guy for us, despite his experience and age and, and every other criticism that can, that can come with it, whether that's be, um, Oh, just cause he knows Sean McVay. Well, that's the idea. And, I, and so I, am not critical of them for that. I think that's the right idea. And that's how you, uh, find the next guys by doing exactly this. So, I'm reading this book, and right now I'm in a pretty long chapter. It's a really good book. Great, de- it details the frequency in which the Rams use certain personnel, which they use specific plays. It breaks down the plays, the responsibilities, what makes those plays different than the ones you'll see around the league. So I'm really enjoying it. And what I'm doing right now is um, is reading the the running game section, and it's mostly about the outside zone because that's what the Rams run, and how. It's different what Todd Gurley has to do, and I'm trying to place that in with Joe Mixon, and so that's what I'll that's what I'll talk about. That's what I'll do. And I think that can fill up 10-15 minutes easily because I'm writing it, but you know, what, saying it out loud is going to help me finish writing it. So if you're not an Athletic subscriber, you'll be able to get the good preview. I think this will be a one, part one of a three series, which would be uh, the running game, the play action game, and then the passing game. It's going to be three or four plays that. I guarantee you'll see from the Bengals this year. And uh, so th- that's where I'm at right now. And and before we get there, I just want to mention that if you want to help the podcast out, you just want to uh, do us a favor, you enjoy the podcast, easiest and free thing you can do is just go to grip and check out the belts. Just click around a few pages. If you do that, they'll know you. we sent you, especially if you go to grip slash lock, L-O-C-K-E. Uh, there's a promo code there. I think it's 20% off, plus there's deals on, on other things. But just go and, and click around the website. Free, it'll take you 30 seconds. And if maybe you like something, maybe you don't. But it'll help out the podcast. It'll also help if you go to uh, book your vacation from Hotels.com. They're a sponsor of the podcast right now. And if you have a vacation lined up this summer or fall or even winter, we've got one. My wife just started booking our Disney trip for this year. We go maybe every other year. Three kids, They're young. They still think it's real. So it, it's now's the time to go while they're still young, my wife, to all that. So Hotels.com for those needs and stick with us.
1: This is Ross Jackson from Locked on Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car.
0: All the way up to a thousand bucks. The terms are simple. You put in two hundred dollars, they'll match you with another hundred dollars in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at my bookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies.
1: Join me every Thursday with the first one drops only on Amazon Music. Let's go. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now
2: you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free. When you use our special promo code LOCKEDON, just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Bengals podcast. Now, welcome back to the Locked On Bengals podcast. And I'm picking up where I left off. So what I'm reading in this book by Taylor Colst, breaking down the 2018 Rams offense, it's got a lot of good information in here. So number one, uh, something we expected. Actually, I expected the number to be a little bit higher. But he breaks down the personnel usage for the Rams. So 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end. This is what we should expect the Bengals to look like most of the time. Some sites even say 90% for the Rams, But I think this includes if you detach a tight end and put them out wide, and then that's basically could be considered an 11 personnel, even though you have two tight ends on the field. Anyways, Taylor has them at 77% usage. So their offense, 77% of the time, is three wide receivers, one tight end, one running back. I think that makes a lot of sense for this Bengals offense. 18% of the time is 12 personnel. So if you say the Bengals are going to be more of a two tight end offense, That would be incorrect if if they're going to be a Rams offense and everything sounds like they are. So we shouldn't even debate that anymore. 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends. That leaves you with two wide receivers. That is 18% of the time. And then how many do they go big, heavy? Three tight ends, one running back. That is 5% of the time. So that's not very often. That's got to be short yardage or specific situations. Makes sense to me. Uh, But he starts off right away with, breaking down their use of the the run game and how often they're they're going outside zone they're an outside zone heavy team he breaks down how how often they do that and in the run plays 241 plays were outside zone and they ran it about less a little bit less than 400 so it's a large percentage of their of their runs are, are going to be that and he's got duo at 73 times inside zone 70 times. Fly sweep, which is we talked about jet sweep, fly sweep, be the same thing, um, will be the receiver coming to motion. You give it to him 46 times. So then they got toss sweep, 23, outside zone, 18, which I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't say outside zone. He he um, he kind of differentiates the difference between running a traditional outside zone and a Rams outside zone. So uh, you can forget that part because I'm not going to get too out. I'll, I'll get into why it's different, but it's largely the same thing. And he's got traps and whams and yada, yada. So anyways, where he starts off with, and I think it's very important, it's where I'm going to start off with when I write about this. I'm actually going to be ripping a lot of this from Taylor. And I don't know if that's right now that I said that out loud, but he really lays this down right. And I'm going to say why it fits the Bengals and how it fits the Bengals. But the fly sweep, the jet sweep for the wide receivers and an integral part of their offense, even though they don't hand it to that guy, every time that it said 46, I think it was, uh, yeah, 46 times they handed to the receiver coming in motion all year. They used it over 120 times all year. So they, they showed it a bunch. I mean, a third of their plays are going to have a receiver coming in motion and taking a a fake handoff in the Bengals offense. So it's definitely something to look for. Now, what I'm doing specifically is looking at Joe Mixon in the run game. And I'm going to show those jet sweeps also and how, they use it with Brandon Cooks. They use it with Robert Woods. I think we'll see Tyler Boyd and, and probably largely John Ross in that role. So I will show one of those plays when I when I do the, the write-up. But the thing I really wanted to diagram and, and talk about is their difference in outside zone running. And when I say outside zone, first of all, uh, as it sounds, you're running starting to the outside. You're stretching either left or right, almost aiming at the tackle, depending on what side you're going if you're running the ball. Um, zone is basically you have a spot and you're going to block that man rather than directly taking a gap or a guy and trying to move him. So uh, I'll explain a little bit more. Um, The difference in the Rams outside zone versus a traditional outside zone is, let's say we're running to the left. So we've got left tackle there. It's going to be Jonah Williams this year. Traditionally, you want that left tackle to, and and really everyone on the left side to reach block. So they're going to get to the guy that's on their outside left shoulder. Remember, running to the left. So for Jonah Williams, it'd be the defensive end, the right defensive end on his side. You would traditionally want him to get out, get around that guy and seal him off so the running back can run behind you towards the boundary. You following me on that? What the Rams do instead. Now this is Andrew Whitworth too. This is why I think Whitworth has really uh, succeeded with, with this Rams offense. Instead of getting him out there and moving, well, he can still move pretty good. He's definitely older, as we know. Instead of having him do that and failing a lot of times, you have that tackle push and move that defensive end out of the way. So you're really not trying to get outside of that that tackle as much for the running back. You're not trying to bounce it outside because he's going to push that defensive end that way. So you're going to cut up his back if you can. So the reads for the running back are now different traditionally, the running back will read that tackle. So Joe Mixon, as he gets the handoff, is going to look at the left tackle and say, okay, is he winning on this block on that defensive end? If the defensive end, so remember, running Look at you, you have the ball, you look at Jonah Williams. Is Does that defensive end have his vision? But the defensive end's head is toward the boundary. If he, ha- if that's the case, that is not a successful reach block, and he's not going to be able to seal him from the edge. You cannot go towards the outside as a running back. So now you take your next read, and it's going to be on the on the three tech here. And the Rams run to the weak side a lot, so I'm going to say this is a three tech, um, and it's going to be the left guard and center both combo blocking on the on that three tech. And now you're going to read him. Does he have his head? on the the outside of the the guard, the left guard. If he does, you go back to the next one now, the nose tackle. And if his head is, on the uh, again, towards the the left side of the field, you're going to cut back all the way against the grain. So you have three reads. Bing, 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 bing. It's got to happen within like a half second. That's why you'll you'll hear coaches slow to the hole, fast through the hole for running backs because you have to take your time and make these reads correctly. And when you see it, because you may have a a third of a second to actually say, okay, his head's on the inside, I can go, cut through there. Um, if you don't have that, it, it slows you down a lot if, you, if you're if you not a good reader as a running back. So that's the traditional way to do it. How the Rams do it is a little bit different. It speeds up the process completely. They don't ask Andrew Whitworth or Jonah Williams to reach block that guy, and they want them to push him out of there instead. So you're not reading that guy to start with. So now Joe Mixon is not reading Jonah Williams. He's expecting him to push him out of the play. He's not trying to get to the boundary and to the outside. Instead, his first read is going to be the three-tech, and he's going to be reading Cordy Glenn and Billy Price handling whatever defensive tackle that is. So it kind of makes sense now why they would prefer to have Cordy Glenn at that guard spot rather than Clint Bowling because – you need him to get this push and this drive, and he needs to be able to succeed often. So his first read now is going to be that three tech, and if that three tech's not winning, and he's gonna he's gonna shift to the nose tackle. And right there, it's like, okay, so you got one. Do I am I gonna cut up between Jonah Williams and Cordy Glenn? No, am I gonna cut up between Billy Price and um, and Cordy Glenn? No. Okay, cut back lane. So it's one two three. It's really one, two, and I'm going to cut it back against the grain uh, all the way on the right side. And that's why Todd Curley is so effective, because the reads are quicker, they're more definitive. Uh, it takes one of them out completely. You see a lot of times with Joe Mixon, and I think we saw this with Jeremy Hill, too. Jeremy Hill had slow eyes when it came to reading, and I think that's why the zone running did not work for him, and he needed to follow a fullback. Because when you have 3-3 three, three, uh, tackle, uh, or I should say and 3-tack, nose tackle, cut back. All right, now I can cut back. It's... It takes a long time to get there, and if the line's not good, you're not going to have that much time. So you're going to have to skip one of those reads or feel it or guess sometimes as a running back. But in the Rams offense, you cut out one of those reads. So even if the line isn't winning completely on this play, you're, you're one, two, go. Or it could be one, go, two, go. And, you know, you get the picture there, right? So it's it's much faster, and it'll help Joe Mixon out a lot. Um, so I now go back, and, I, and I'm watching a lot of Joe Mixon tape. I have, I have the idea of what they, what they're looking for, what they're asking for, what they want him to do. So I go back and I watch and I'm watching games of Joe Mixon, some of his best games, some of his worst games, and just seeing uh, how he handles it and how he, he would fit in this offense. And I think it's going to be an amazing fit. Honestly, I've talked about this before. I had the inclination. I had some film backing on this, but now that I can actually go and understand the playbook and this is something I read a few months ago. That's why I felt so good about it. But uh now that I'm putting it together and I'm, I'm watching the tape, I'm like, yeah, Mixon's great at this. He's going to be perfect at this. And the times he wasn't able to cut it back on that third read, that's not going to be an issue anymore. It's going to be one-two cut back. And he's so good at that and his, his lateral agility for such a big guy and how quickly he gets up to, up to speed. And, and I think his decision-making quick, his pre-snap ability, or I shouldn't say pre-snap. Pre line of scrimmage. I kind of evaluate running backs pre line of scrimmage, post line of scrimmage, pre line of scrimmage. There's a lot of things you can do in terms of reading, your footwork, your steps, uh staying on track and then bursting through the hole. And then afterwards it's making someone miss. It's it's how hard do you run? How smart are you? How you know, picking up yardage, aware of the first down marker. So uh for me I thought Joe Mixon's excellent pre line of scrimmage coming out of the coming out of college. He's only shown that, I think, with a poor offensive line his first two years. So I think as the scheme gets simplified, as effective as we've seen it be for the L.A. Rams, it's only going to fit Mixon so well. So I'm going back, I'm watching tape, I'm picking out plays that are specific to the Rams that they've run, I'm going to diagram those, I'm going to show some that Joe Mixon uh, either didn't have the same opportunity because of the scheme, or that, because they did do a lot of it too, there, there are a lot of times where I could say, oh man, Cordy Glenn, last year, 2018, he isn't trying to wall off. He isn't trying to seal that defensive end inside. He's pushing him to the boundary and it's allowing Mixon to to have a big run. So it was a mixed bag. It's definitely not as conclusive as the Rams were definitely doing it. When you watch the Rams, you're like, yep, that's exactly what they're doing. Taylor does a great job of breaking it down and really um, showing what they should be doing. And then, uh, like I said, the jet sweep stuff and how it'll fit John Ross. So I've got a lot coming out there. Um, I hope I broke that down well enough. I hope that I was able to visualize it in your head of what the differences are and, and how they're going to be effective. I, I think this is going to help Billy Price. I think it's going to be a, a good thing to put Cordy Glenn inside a guard, even though I've got my reservations about him and pass protection there because he's going to play a little too high. He always has. And it's going to it's going to hurt in the run game if you play a little too high also. Uh, but what that does is on the right side now, it's going to be John Miller and and Bobby Hart. They're basically, because the Rams ran weak side to the left a lot last year, and if you go just type in Todd Gurley, like I said Game Pass earlier, NFL.com slash Game Pass, type in Todd Gurley, big plays, a lot of his runs are going to be to the left on this exact play I just talked about, so on the right side there, they're cut blocking, or they're pushing, or they're getting guys out of there, and in combination with the jet sweep motion, it gets an extra guy out of the box so much, so so often Todd Gurley's running 8 yards before he even has to get to the unblocked defender, which even if he doesn't make a miss it's an 8 yard gain. So I think it's it's going to be an awesome fit and it's really the the biggest reason or the biggest I say sure thing that I feel good about this offense is that Joe Mixon will carry this offense. And it doesn't have to be that way, but I I do think he will. I think cuz I do think there's a good chance that Dalton's a great fit and then because of it the Ram the, I mean the Rams, the receivers are um, being used correctly, and having successful, really good years. So if that happens, I feel really good about it. But uh, that's the thing. I think Joe Mixon is is going to be the front runner of this team, the one guy that I believe will be looked at around the league much differently after this year. But he's got to prove it, and he's got to do it. And he also has to stay healthy because he never really carried the load in Oklahoma either or in Cincinnati now in two years. So that will be the big thing as they ride him. But that's my analysis on Mixon, the run game, I'm going to have it all written down with videos and breakdowns. So if if this wasn't easy to follow, you'd be able to do that on The Athletic. Hopefully I have that out within the next week. It's got some tuning to do. The videos take some time to make. Uh, But that's what we have today. I'm going to have a little shorter podcast today as it's just me. But uh, make sure you check us out via our sponsors, whether that's the Himalaya app for podcasts. Just you guys going to that and giving it a shot, it helps out the podcast for Um, you know, being a a, a sponsor for us. And also grip6hotels.com, Chew, You guys go there, and even if you click around on their website, they'll know it, and it'll help us out and keep us employed and being paid, which is a good thing. It's a good motivator to want to do do more and to keep the podcast going. So with that, um, take care. We'll see you tomorrow. It'll be Jake and Joe back together again on the Lockdown Bengals Podcast.